Welcome to episode 16 of the Anti-Reactive Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Hobby, parent educator and counselor, mom of two, and lover of all things related to parenting. Today, we are just going to dive right into our topic, encouraging your kids. For some people, encouragement and positivity are things that just come naturally to them. I'm talking about those natural cheerleaders and the ones who always see the glass as half full. We all need people like that in our life. They help us see the possibilities we may not be able to see when we're going through it. For others, positivity may not be at the top of their list of strengths. We all need those people too, the ones who see the possible problems and conflicts before they happen. When it comes to parenting and raising kids, whether you're a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of person, being intentional about encouraging your kids is extremely beneficial. It helps them build resiliency and perseverance, which are extremely important skills and are critical factors in becoming successful in anything they want to do at any stage in life. So let's take a mini dive into encouragement and positivity and how to incorporate it into everyday parenting. Even if you're not a naturally positive, bubbly person, there are still plenty of ways to inject positivity into your parenting. One way we can do this is by looking for the things your child is doing well. In fact, take a second and think about something that your child is just naturally good at. How do they naturally shine? I'm hoping as you're going through this thinking exercise, a couple of different things are coming to mind. Kindness, friendliness, leadership. Maybe they exercise caution, are studious, or are naturally funny. Maybe they're inventive, imaginative, or artistic. In the day in and day out, it's easy to get caught in a cycle of looking at all of the things your child isn't doing or focusing on what you wish they were better at. And it's easy to do because these are the things that frustrate us. But when this happens too much, we take those natural strengths and talents for granted and forget to give attention to the things that make our kids unique and amazing. Remembering these strengths also comes in handy when our kids mess up or are going through a tough situation, whether that's at home or at school or with friends. Kids screw up all of the time. Sometimes they do it to get our attention, but most of the time it's not like they enjoy messing up or getting into trouble. But by being rooted in an identity based on strengths, you are helping to shape and mold resiliency. And you can give your child and yourself Tools to see that even when they fail, there may be teachable moments of what went right in those situations. Some of the most common situations where parents get frustrated with failures or screw-ups are at school, whether it's the academic side or the behavior or social or all three. And it's because we're not there to help our kids through their difficult moments, and we find out about them after the fact. And a great way to turn these moments into teachable ones and wrap them up with some positivity is to go through it with your child and shine a light on what they're already doing well. My son is in first grade and one of the most favorite things about his teacher is that she sends all of the papers and work and assignments from the entire week home in a folder just on Fridays. There's not this constant stream of papers all week long that seem to quickly overtake the house. I know you know what I'm talking about. We get all of this stuff all in one big chunk, and we can look through an entire week's worth of work together. And 
maybe pull out one or two things worth saving. And that's a big maybe. And then the rest just goes straight into the recycling. It's efficient and I love it. The downside of this, however, is that if there's something my son is having trouble with, I don't know about it until the end of the week. As my son has transitioned into first grade and into a higher level of expectations and structure, I discovered he was often forgetting to write his name at the top of his papers. Or he'd get distracted and only write part of his name or not answer a random question off of the page because he wasn't paying close enough attention or double-checking his work. This was a clear theme as I went through all of his papers from the week all at once. Now, in my eyes, these are silly mistakes. My son knows how to write his name. I was confident he could do all of his work correctly if he just paid enough attention to do it. And I found this frustrating because he wasn't living up to his full potential. I knew he had the knowledge, but it doesn't matter if you don't show it. I quickly realized, however, that just pointing out my son's mistakes over and over and telling him he needed to do better wasn't actually going to help him do better. So as we finished going through his papers together, I took a beat and said, it looks like you're having trouble remembering to write your name on your paper and remembering to check your work. These are things we need to work on. But look, see how many times you did write your name on your paper and you did do your work correctly? You can do this, but it's something you need to work on. My son went from feeling deflated about how many times he got it wrong to feeling pretty confident he could do it better the next week. And sure enough, the next week, he had significantly fewer papers without names or uh, without completed work. And we went through the whole conversation again, this time highlighting not the fact that he was still not getting it all correct, but instead highlighting how much better he did this week than last week. And then I encouraged him that I bet next week he'd do even better. And sure enough, we've now gotten to the point where he's writing his name and checking his work and has eliminated those silly mistakes. In this story about my son, I also want to point out that throughout this specific struggle, I strive to keep the focus on the overarching goal and not get bogged down in the failure. One of our family's values isn't perfection, but rather personal growth. We're big on teaching our kids that mistakes are okay because that's how we learn. And if we run into a challenging situation, it's a good thing because it gives us a chance to learn and grow. So I was clear in talking to my son that I wasn't expecting perfection because this is the first time he's been in school with these types of expectations. He has a lot to learn about how to learn. If he was in fifth grade, that would be a different conversation. But he's figuring out how to be a good student. So here, the goal is growth, not perfection. It's doing our best, not being the best. So he felt like he had something that he could work with and could be more successful the next time, as opposed to just being berated for not doing something that one might see as simple and obvious. As the parent, I have to meet my child where he's at. Which leads me to my next point. Regularly point your child toward not competing with others, but rather competing with themselves. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, there are ways your child naturally shines. There are things your child does better than a lot of the other kids around them. 
And for them, these things are easy. On the converse, there are then things that are not easy for them. These things are hard. Things that other kids around them are a lot better at than they are. Or maybe they have a best friend that outshines them in some things. Or a sibling that is naturally better at something. Maybe that's academics. Maybe it's athletics. Maybe it's music or drawing or art. For kids, it's hard to be at the bottom of the heap, especially if a close friend or sibling has a natural talent in that area. If you have a child who is a high achiever, it's especially difficult for them not to be the best at something. A child's brain sees life in black and white, and to them, they're either good at something or they're bad at something. They're either one of the best or one of the worst compared to their peers. It's hard to unlock potential with this kind of mindset. So as parents, we can direct our kids not to comparing themselves to everyone around them, but rather engaging in competition with themselves. You may have a kid who will never be the star of the soccer team or the straight-A student, but every kid can improve from the level where they're currently at. And we can help them grow by helping them set goals for themselves to raise the bar, even if ever so slight, from where they are. And this can be done by turning it into a game. It doesn't have to be all serious or boring, um, but it's more effective if we can make it fun. So let me give you an example. My son is a Cub Scout. If you aren't familiar, every year around October, Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts all over the country have their annual fundraiser, which is selling popcorn. If you've ever gone to a grocery store in October chances are you've come across a scout asking you to buy popcorn or for a donation. And this story will be relatable for any parent out there because at some point you've had to participate in some sort of fundraising effort, which, you know, is like every parent's favorite thing, right? I mean, when you first found out you were going to become a parent and were fantasizing about life with children, I'm positive one of those dreams included soliciting family, coworkers, and strangers for money to buy overpriced goods. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, like the introvert in me really struggles with this. But let's be real. Fundraising is like not fun. Um, and part of being in Scouts is being required to participate in popcorn sales every year to cover costs of activities and often to participate in special scouting events. It's just part of it. Anyway, as you can imagine, these kids get a lot of rejection, and some of it is kind and comes with a smile, and some of it isn't so kind, but any type of a rejection for a kid can be hard to take. And honestly, more often than not, when it comes to selling anything, you're going to be told no way more than you'll be told yes. So when it comes to these kids asking strangers to buy popcorn, it would be really easy to get dejected and feel like you're not doing well. So with this overarching goal to sell popcorn, a lot of groups turn the experience into a game to help their kids reach their sales goals. With the help of their adult leader, kids will play what's called the no game. So before they start their turn selling popcorn out in front of a store, they'll set a goal for themselves of how many no's they'll get when asking people to buy or donate. We help these kids to that high number and get excited about who can get the most no's or reaching their goal of a crazy amount of no's. So as you can imagine, it encourages kids to ask passersby to donate way more than they would with just trying to be successful and getting yeses, which then 
results in more overall sales and donations. So this idea can be applied to other things in life. I mean, I know you've all played the quiet game during an extended car ride or a long wait in line somewhere. Whoever talks first loses. It can be a fun way, if your little ones haven't caught on, uh, to find some peace for yourself without snapping at your kids to be quiet for the 100th time. But here are some other situations to consider. If your kid is having a hard time when it's their turn at bat during their baseball game, challenge them to hitting a foul ball. This increases the likelihood they'll take a swing and make contact instead of hesitating at the bat. If your kid has a hard time remembering their spelling words, challenge them to spelling their words out loud while they do something they like, ideally something that involves movement. Maybe it's spelling them while they're doing jumping jacks or saying a letter with every push on a swing or every jump down the stair steps. I mean, there are creative solutions out there to infuse some type of positivity and fun into the things our kids struggle with. And the idea to keep everything fun and make it more motivating, it's not supposed to be forever, right? Life isn't always sunshine and rainbows and entertainment. I mean, that's not real life. But sometimes what's required to get a kid started is some of these fun and games. They've never experienced success in an area, or if that area has always been hard, they're going to need something to get them going. And once they realize they can do something or they can get better at something, it's inherently rewarding and motivating to keep building upon it. And then they can begin setting their own goals and taking more ownership over their growth. And this is a long-term parenting strategy that builds grit, determination, and perseverance and ultimately builds your child into a future adult who can better handle the things life will throw their way. I'm about to wrap this up, but I want to leave you with one final takeaway as you continue your way through the trenches of parenthood. Kids are pretty new to all of this life stuff. To them, things often feel like a bigger deal than we may think they are. And that's because they haven't experienced other things to be a reference point for what's a big deal and what's not. So when it comes to encouraging your kids, it's helpful to let them know that nothing is the end of the world. Every problem has some sort of solution, and you're there to help them figure that out and point them to the things that are going right. No matter how little it may be, something is always going right somehow, some way, and things are not as bleak as they may seem to a child. Do kids need to know when they are doing something wrong? Absolutely. In fact, it's super important, but they also need to know what they're doing right. And if they are learning and growing and getting better at something than they were before, then they are succeeding. For this week's anti-reactive parenting challenge, think about and come up with a list of things your child is good at. These are the things that just come naturally to them and are so easy, you may not even think about them very much. Talk to your child about their strengths and the ways that you see them naturally shine. Let them know what you're proud of them for. The second part of this challenge is to then ask your child what they think they're good at and what things they are proud of about themselves. Let those little lights shine. Okay, thanks for tuning in, listeners. I appreciate all of you taking a listen and striving to up your parenting game. And I'd like to invite you to join and help grow our community of anti-reactive parents. 
If you enjoy this podcast and think others would too, I humbly ask that you please leave a five-star review to impress the algorithms and help this podcast grow and reach others, and we can all grow together. Don't forget to follow our podcast and add it to your library so that you don't miss an episode. Also, for all of you dads out there, check out the Anti-Reactive Parenting Companion podcast, Life Fatherhood. Life stands for Lead Your Family with Excellence. This short-form podcast for fathers is about how to deal with challenges raising your kids and increase your excellence as a father who leads intentionally. You can find Life Fatherhood, that's L-Y-F-E, on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. Until next time, parent intentionally, plan for what's to come, and be anti-reactive.